It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Quickly to wall. Wall, measure, deal, gets open for three. Yo, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net Station. You are listening to Locked On Wizards here, and I'm your host, Noah Getzel. It is Friday evening. Uh, lots of good playoff matchups have been going on. Of course, the Wizards aren't quite there with them, but keep enjoying the playoffs. Um, the Locked On Wizards show is, you know, a subsidiary of Locked On Wizards podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we've got tons of awesome um, analysis of every postseason game. You know, whether you're following uh, Locked On Warriors, Locked On Rockets, whoever it may be, Locked On Cavs, quality content all around. So today we are going to focus on Wizards coach Scott Brooks and recap his season two at the helm, um, an up and down year for sure. He described it as a roller coaster, actually. So we'll talk about the biggest criticisms and most positive traits of Scott Brooks. Of course, like his development of young talent is awesome. His ability to kind of empower his players to reach that next level is great. And then we'll talk about some of the qualms of the legacy that kind of has stuck with them since OKC, where there's... You know, just give it to the best player in crunch time and see what happens. So here to review Scott Brooks's year two, we bring in our guest for the night, Ian Evans, who has been on Locked on Wizards uh, once before. He was with Arthur Renault, and uh, that was a, a podcast talking about criticism Bradley Beal back then uh, after a, a victory over the Pistons. So Ian hails from Leesburg, Virginia. He got incredibly hyped about the Wizards once they brought back Michael Jordan. I guess Jordan decided to go to the team. It wasn't necessarily, he was owning the team. He's just like, hey, I'm going to play, by the way. So Ian, it's awesome to have you here. And by the way, this is kind of some big news about the program. Ian is going to be one of the co-hosts. He's going to work with Arthur Renault from Wizards Extra, Locked on Wizards. Also, Becca Winkert, a.k.a. Becca MVP on Twitter. You probably know her and love all of her tweets. They are going to be taking over. I'm going to be taking a step back. So, Ian, 
How's it feel, man? You're going to be filling those big boy shoes. Not necessarily that I have big shoes to big fill, but shoes. Yeah, <laughs> you excited to step into a limelight? Yeah, man. It's going to be exciting. You know, me, Arthur, and Becca talked a little bit um, a awesome. few times already, but we're excited. We're just going to get together every week, and we're going to talk about our favorite team That's that right. constantly disappoints us. <laughs> yeah. So let's start with the positives. What would you say are some of the best qualities about Scott Brooks in terms of the way that he's led the Wizards for the past two years? Obviously, starting from number one, he's just a really nice guy. He's not like Randy Whitman. He's he's awesome to be around. You know, he's never throwing reporters or anything under the bus. He it's it's just pleasant being. He you know he sets a good tone. I haven't necessarily seen him too mad ever i've seen him frustrated but I, I would wonder what it's like to be in the locker room with him after the wizards are you know dropping down like by 15 points to the dallas mavericks or something like that what do, i mean there's got to be more positive traits but like I'll, I'll let you start off what what do you like about scott brooks what has he done well for the wizards after his second year yeah i mean kind of like what you just mentioned he seems like a player's coach he's super likable i think he I think he does a really good job relating to his players, mm-hmm. getting, to, getting to know them on a personal level and making the players think that he cares about them, you know. And <laughs> definitely different than Randy Whitman. Randy, Randy Whitman's like if the Grinch. If, do you remember that movie with Jim Carrey? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's like if he was on the sideline coaching a team. <laughs> But, but I think they have some similar philosophies in terms of like being stuck in a different generation of basketball, whereas like, you know, Scott Brooks kind of plays people – to the brink. He'll play Bradley Bill 40 minutes over and over and over again. He'll play John Wall that many minutes, you know, two weeks after he comes back from injury and is finally playing like some five on five scrimmages. He doesn't, he plays young players more, which is, you know, a bit different than that. But what else does he do that's very old school? He loves playing centers, (laughs) centers who are immobile. And, you know, you got to deal with the, the hand that you're dealt. And in the playoffs, he had Mike Scott playing some some stretch five, so he makes it all up up a little bit. But you know, he he just loves starting the game and starting overtime sessions with Martin Gortat on the floor. But let's not jump back and forth. Um, some other positives that you have enjoyed, obviously leading a team to forty nine wins after that was the first time they got there since like when was it the seventies or eighties? That's that's a big accomplishment. Yeah, I think uh, his main strength is. Um, really developing young players. So having young, talented guys where in the past, whoever the head coach would be, whether it was Eddie Jordan, um, you know, Randy Whitman, developing young guys and making sure that they improve. I think what you've seen from Kelly Oubre, and I know he had a rough a rough end to the year, but the, the leaps and bounds you've seen from him, I think what you've seen from Bradley Beal from where he used to be, um, and then even John Wall. John Wall's gotten better since Scott Brooks has and the coach of this team. So being able to take young guys and develop them, uh, probably the thing he's best at, even when you look back to his days at Oklahoma City, um, taking Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and you can make the same argument that you can make with the Wizards. Well, of course those guys panned out because they're just super talented. But I just don't think that's the case. Um, I think a lot of the time... It, it really comes down to what are you teaching these guys in practice? What are you doing with them in the middle of the game? What are you saying to them? Um, and he, he's certainly got his shortcomings, but if he's good at anything, it's taking young talent and molding them into very good players. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Like Tomas Sadoransky would have never had 
the year that he he had after Wall went down. If it was Randy Whitman or, or someone else who just didn't necessarily trust his game and might have stuck with a more traditional point guard obviously like Tim Frazier didn't do very much for the team but I think that's a good point were you surprised at all given his reputation of developing young talent do you feel like you maybe would have wanted to see Chris McCullough or Devin Robinson play some some more minutes that weren't garbage time over the course of the year yeah definitely so specifically with Devin Robinson I remember he hit the court and I was like and it was maybe three minutes into him being on the court, and he was playing really well. Um, defensively, he looked outstanding. And then on offense, he was just hustling. He was getting offensive rebounds for second chances. And I remember thinking, like, who's this guy? Mm-hmm. Like, who, boy, has he been on the team all year? Why haven't we been playing him? Um, so that was kind of shocking, given Brooks's his ability to take young talent and make them better. And Chris McCullough... Do we know how is Chris McCullough like twenty two years old? He was born in ninety five. I was born in ninety one, so he's probably like twenty three ish. I know he's older than Kelly Oubre, who's twenty one. Okay, so he's probably yeah, twenty two or three. Yeah, you have a guy who's very long. He's super athletic, and his stroke is pretty good. When he when he lets a jumper go, it looks good. Um, you can tell he's he could have the ability to shoot. And I'm surprised that, especially when, in a year where Marcin Gortat just had a huge decline, um, and it's not a slide against, against March, he just, it's age, it happens to every player literally that has ever played in the NBA. Um, but he's just not what he used to be. And meanwhile, we've got this young, um, gifted um, center on the bench and he gets no playing time and he's a guy that can run too he can get up and down the court yeah he's super athletic yeah so it was a little surprising um i think that hopefully next year those guys are still on the roster and they get some time but i guess we'll see Mm -hmm. you never know with scott brooks along a similar vein one thing that kind of irked me a little bit last year it's tough to complain too much when you win 49 games but one guy who i thought should have gotten some more minutes was Sheldon Mack, and that's because, like, I know this year defense was a big issue for the Wizards, maybe not quite as much last season, but he just seemed like a guy, when he was inserted, he he just played so hard, you know, his defensive tenacity looked good, he developed, he was a decent shooter, he could handle the ball pretty well for someone with very little NBA experience, and I was just a little bit surprised that, you know, he, he barely played at all, um, given what seemed like a lot of potential from Sheldon Mack. Of course, he's no longer with the Wizards. He was traded to free up some cap space to make some of those uh, Ramon Session-type signings because he suffered that Achilles injury. And I wish all the best to to Sheldon Mack coming back. It's obviously a tough injury to recover from. But did you were you kind of disappointed at all that last season Sheldon Mack played such a, a small role, or were, were you cool with you know his, his role for the team? Yeah, I was a little, I mean, I was a little disappointed, especially last year you had, I mean, the bench was really bad last year. Right, for the Marcus Wizards. Thornton was the backup shooting guard until it became oh, Boyan Bogdanovich at the end. Yeah, it was so bad. So bad. I just love Max tenacity. Like, you saw these highlights of him and Wall playing one-on-one practice, and he'd, you know, shut him down and be able to get by him. And who knows how much Wall was actually trying, but it's it's just good to see a guy who doesn't back down. Yeah, Sheldon Mack was a, you know, he's a smooth athlete. He's great around the rim. His touch, 
um, just putting English on the ball, the way he would spin it off the glass, mm-hmm. and then his mid-range game. He was he was a he looked very promising. Um, it's a bummer about the Achilles injury, but I think he'll be okay. You know, he'll recover. I think he'll find a spot on a team somewhere off the bench because he's a good anyone in the NBA who can score and who looks as comfortable as he did in such limited minutes. Um, there's value there. So yeah, I was I was shocked that he didn't play. Mm-hmm. So any final thoughts on? the positives about Scott Brooks before we take a quick uh, transition over to, you know, some of the, the areas of improvement? Um, yeah, I, I think that when we heard, when, when Oklahoma City moved on from him, we heard a lot about the lack of creativity. Um, Are you still on positives and, right now? And, yeah, I'm still on okay. positives. <laughs> but I think when, when the Washington Wizards brought him in for the interview and then ultimately to hire him, I remember he had mentioned, you know, he took a deep dive in the time that he had taken off. He took a deep dive into analytics. He had been at the Sloan Conference multiple times, and he had talked to a lot of kind of just these brilliant people who could take these numbers and translate what they meant for on the court, for players, and for coaches. And specifically, he looked at these numbers and was like, wow, this is very powerful, right? This will give me a lot of data, and I can use this to my advantage. And I, I think it's the thing that I liked about bringing in Scott Brooks was that he seemed like he had evolved with the game, Mm -hmm. or at least he wasn't stagnant. Because a lot of the time, these types of hires really blow up in your face and backfire, um, where you have these coaches who maybe coach an antiquated brand of basketball, and the rest of the league is light years ahead. And I think, and I still think, Scott Brooks is ready to play the brand of basketball that the Wizards need to to be successful in 2018, yeah. 2019, etc. So I do think that's also a pro of him is that, you know, whereas Randy Whitman was like, no, we're just going to throw it in the paint and we're going to punch people in the face. Shoot some long twos. They're closer, man. Yeah. Yeah. 15 foot shots are better than 30. But, no, but you yeah. hear after a game, game and a game, like, you know, Bradley Beal shot 10 threes tonight. I love that. I want to see more of it. You know, he hits 40% of them. Like he's got to keep shooting. He needs to do this every game. We'd score more points. You know, yeah, so you he's, see, he's got you the see right recently approach. Too, you see recently too, him mentioned on the exit interview, we need to shoot more threes. For sure. You know? so, the Wizards so were, I think, I think so like I think the bottom five or something. And they shot them really well. They hit a high clip, but yeah, in terms of, you know, some teams shoot a ridiculous number. Like, we're not going to ever be the Warriors or the Rockets with only Bradley Beal and Otto Porter being consistent shooters. I guess, you know, this past year we had Mike Scott and Tomas Sadoransky. Ubre was shooting well for a little bit, but we need to change the personnel a bit more before we, you know, can be shooting that many threes, I would say. So now, again, thanks for listening to Locked On Wizards here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net Station. Be sure to check out Locked On Wizards on Twitter. And also NBN-radio uh, is the handle at NBN-radio is for nothing but net to check out all the shows on the station. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy 
of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We are going to go into the darker mode for just a second and we're going to talk a little bit about the critiques of Scott Brooks and where he can improve for the Wizards next season. I'm like 99.9% sure that he's he's going to come back with the team just because he's owed $35 million contract. He's still got 21 on the table. Yeah, Ted is not about to waste all that. So let's let's dive right into that. Chance. They're kind of things that sneak up on you over the course of the year. I feel like for me at least... The biggest thing is just, you know, lack of late game execution in the fourth quarters. And then the rotations can be a little bit sketchy at times, too. And just the fact that he loves playing centers. And they're only, you know, centers who are older and more immobile and not quite rim protectors on the roster. But, you know, they're making tons of money, so you may as well play them and see what they got. But at the same time, you know, the whole NBA is moving away from it. You'd think that the Wizards might play... Gortat didn't play a ton of minutes, but I don't know. I just feel like it's strange that he's still starting at this stage, even though he contributes a lot to the team. Do you feel like it's it's kind of the same critiques or your major critiques? Is there anything I'm missing about how Scott Brooks can improve? No, no, we're on the same page. I think, yeah, you bring up the, the center argument. I just think it's really weird that he you have a guy who obviously knows the team is better when Gortat's not on the floor because you would see entire second halves where Martin Gortat would just be benched. So it's it's tough sometimes throughout the regular season as a fan especially to understand what the logic is behind that. Like, oh, let me start the game with this guy who I know is not optimizing my team. But, I mean, he's he's always starting in the second half, though. So And, like, there is some argument that, like, that lineup with Kelly Oubre... Who was it? It's Wall, Beal, Ubre, Porter, and then Gortat is one of like the most efficient lineups. And you need you need Gortat for a few reasons. Even if he's not getting the rebounds, he boxes out incredibly well and prevents people from getting rebounds. He sets a tremendous screens. I think he was ranked way up there in screen assists. He steps in for some charges. He rolls off of pick and rolls better than any other center on the roster, you know, any big man, he's, he's just the best at the screen and roll game. So there are things that Gortat brings to the table. Did he do those better maybe three years ago when the Wizards first signed him? Absolutely. But like, I, I don't think the role that Gortat played over the course of the season, like given the personnel, yeah. like it's, it's not like I, I'm furious, you know, it's not like he was playing 36 minutes a game or anything like that. Yeah. I, I mean, a lot of this, a lot of this isn't on Scott Brooks too. I mean, right. the faults the faults are still absolutely there. He doesn't. He's just not very creative after timeouts. Um, that's something that's been with him almost his entire career at this point. He probably plays his star players entirely too many minutes. I don't think he's like a Tom Thibodeau, but he's right there. Um, when you see Bradley Beal being beaten down by the end of the season, just mm-hmm. looks exhausted. But I think a lot of this is kind of being handcuffed to your roster and your roster was great 
uh, a few seasons ago, and now it's kind of it's kind of out of date. And I think I think Martin Gortat's a huge part of that. He is still to this day one of the best screen setters in the entire NBA. But I th- and I and I kind of heard the argument made uh, this year by a couple of friends of mine when we were at a game, especially when you have John Wall as your point guard um, and the guy kind of setting the table and facilitating. You don't need someone like Gortat who screens as well as he does if instead you replace him with someone who who spaces the floor out and in turn gives John Wall way more space to work with. You know, because John Wall doesn't need a screen to get by the defender in front of him. He needs he needs space. And in Gortat's, you know, when, when it comes to March coming up and setting screens, it does give John Wall some space. But if you had you know, there was rumors going around that Mike Scott was going to be the starting five at some point in the Toronto series. But let's yeah. just say that Mike Scott is your five and Keith is your four. You've Mike Scott got, is six foot seven, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I Keith thought it was kind of weird ten, that yeah. that wasn't switched. But let's just roll with it since that was kind of the rumor floating around. But let's say you've got a smaller guy who is a lights out shooter at that position and he's now at the three point line. John Wall doesn't need a screen to get around his defender you can just go to the basket um so but who's gonna get rebounds if you've got a guy you know chilling at the three-point line you know and of course scott is a physical player he you know he you see him when he's posting off offensively he just you know goes to lunch on some of the smaller guys on him but if you're playing center and you're trying to get a rebound and you're six seven and the guy next to you is six eleven like you can't really body him the same way and take advantage of that sort of mismatch yeah, Mike Scott's got like Jonas Valanciunas just tapping the ball away yeah. repeatedly. <laughs> like, but uh, yeah, that's the huge problem, right? The roster is kind of handcuffed. You can't really do that, that's the thing. It's there's a lack of creativity in the play calling in late game for sure. Because um, you know, just throwing the ball to your best players and praying that something happens probably not the best bet, especially late in the game when things are starting to tighten up defensively. Mm-hmm. That's but, my number one critique for sure. Oh yeah, for sure, and, and you know we'll get more into that in a second. But to to wrap up, I guess the roster issue. It's it's tough when you want to do a certain style of play, you want to do small ball, but for the reasons you mentioned, you really you kind of can't right now because this team is just not built for it. Um, and I think if you had someone who could be that. I don't know if it's the four or the five or both, but guys who could shoot from the perimeter but also be a rim protector because the huge problem with running out a small lineup right now is rim protection and rebounding. And right now you're pretty much asking John Wall to be your rim protector right. in any small lineup, which is laugh- kind of laughable. It's kind of hilarious. Um, and what worked really well, which we saw a little bit this year too, was – putting Markeith Morris into the the reserve unit uh, last year and kind of having him be like the fulcrum that can go get you a bucket. And, you know, he, he moved the ball pretty well. And we saw that some with Mike Scott, but it, uh, it seemed like Porter was more so the guy running with the second unit. And he is more of like the, the shy, like I'll get my shot if it's passed to me and I can't necessarily like make a move and be the playmaker. So I don't know how well Ubre fit into that role, and of course he wants an expanded role. He'd love to be a starter and has the talent to do it, but he like when he he only plays well in my mind when he's surrounded by 
the rest of the starting lineup to a certain extent. So maybe, you know, some there were good additions putting him in where he played with John Wall and Beal and, you know, produced quality minutes. But I've got a question about the playoffs for you, Ian. Do you sure. feel like Tomas Sadaransky kind of got snubbed a little bit? Was he just, you know, not able to cut it in his minutes where he was in? Or do you feel like he got shortchanged where Ty Lawson ate up too many of his minutes? Um, I think he... I don't, I don't know how you couldn't say he got shortchanged. I think you have a guy in Sadoransky who proved himself the entire season. Nah, he super plays high basketball guard. IQ. <laughs> and when he's got the ball in his hands, just really good at making the right reads. And then when right. he doesn't have the ball in his hands, making sure he's moving off the ball. And I understand Scott Brooks' logic. He's like, okay, let me get a quicker guy. Because Sadoransky's not super explosive when it comes no. to his lateral, lateral movement and ability to like just smoke guys on the perimeter but he, he makes up Brooks, for it a little bit with with his length in terms of altering and blocking shots and getting more rebounds sure. than you know a guy yeah. like Lawson or or uh, Tim Frazier yeah but um offensively I think Scott Brooks was thinking I've got this guy who is great and he's hyperactive even when he doesn't have the ball in his hands setting screens getting the right spot um, and then I've got Ty Lawson, who is still maybe one of the best ball handlers on planet Earth. You know, the guy can. It was it was hilarious to watch him land off, the, you know, come off of the plane from China and just clown some of the Raptors players on the perimeter and make them look kind of silly. But I don't. I, I think when you take Tomas Sadoransky and you move him away from the point guard position, it diminishes his entire skill set, and mm-hmm. it kind of zeroes him out. And I think even though you got some really good minutes from Ty Lawson in the playoffs, overall taking Tomas Sadoransky essentially out of the equation in a way by not letting him be the guy bringing the ball up the court and setting the table hurt the team more than Ty Lawson's good play helped them. Yeah. If that makes any sense. It does. When you have no shooting guard besides Bradley Beal, like, what what do you do? Do you try and play Uber at shooting guard? And it comes down to roster construction, so not necessarily coaching. But, you know, like, we, we all know, even though Sadoransky can play off the ball and he, he compliments John Wall fine, if John trusts him a little bit more shooting, you know, shooting threes, but... Everybody knows that he's best as a playmaker, and that's where he didn't play in the playoffs. So, of course, he's not going to perform as well um, when he doesn't have the ball in his hands and he's not playing point guard. Yeah, man, that's another huge problem with the team. I mean, to your point, the the team is literally, it's like John Wall, Bradley Beal, and then like eight point guards and four centers. And Otto Porter and Kelly Oubre, and that's it. I'm really glad that secret contract extension happened. (laughs) Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast easier said done i've got a few questions uh a bit unrelated to the wizards to kind of close this thing out so i just want everyone all of our listeners to have a better sense of who you are ian so i've got some some crazy questions throughout you if you were stuck on a desert island with anyone on the wizards who would you want to be uh paired with um 
Honestly, probably uh, probably Kelly Oubre. Probably oh, yeah? Kelly Oubre Jr., yeah. To see what outfits he comes up with when he has no wardrobe and yeah, he's just in the middle of an like island. Yeah, he'd be like in the forest and he'd be like, dude, we can use these leaves as like felt <laughs> scarves. <laughs> yeah. I learned this from H&M. <laughs> I don't know. He'd probably he'd probably be on all sorts of like magazine covers after his experimentation out there. What if? What about like a pair of players? If it's not just one, you're like the fly on the wall with two guys who are like you know the odd couple or you know best friends, whatever you want to pick, and they're stuck in this island together. Who are you picking? Who do you want to observe? Uh, I think John and John and Keith, John Wall and Mark Keith Morris could be pretty fun yeah. together. They're definitely the best quotes on the team, I would say. You know, yeah. like their their post game interviews. There's a lot more real talk than what you hear from some of the other guys, and it, they keep it entertaining. Who do you? Oh, yeah, most... sure. I think think uh, I think keeps big balls would be super useful <laughs> on the island that we're stuck on. <laughs> that was hilarious. Uh, um, which wizard do you most want to go clubbing with? Oh God, Pro- probably. I mean, the, my first instinct is is John because we know that's kind of what he does. You know, in his free time, he likes to go out and have some fun. Uh, I think I would do it with Otto. He oh, just yeah? seems so smooth. I see. I remember those Instagram photos of him on a boat. <laughs> on him on a, it's like him on a boat with like four women in bikinis. Nice. <laughs> My old roommate, I doubt he's listening, but he once saw Otto at the club, the living room, and I don't know how much of interaction they had. I don't think he was with anyone else on the Wizards at the time, but. You know, he goes out and does his thing in the DC nightclubs, I guess. So, yeah. not a bad, not not a bad choice. And he's probably got some sick cars that you could roll in too. Yeah, he probably fixed up some really cool uh, '98 Honda Civics. Um, what's your favorite tra- tradition at Wizards games? Like during timeouts, I'd, I'd say mine is the kiss cam or the baby race. Those are pretty cool. I like Simon says at halftime too. What's what's your favorite? It's that uh, it's the terrible song they play after the Wizards win. It's like, go Wizards, go Wizards, go Wizards. <laughs> yeah, I have to go with that. It's been around forever. They haven't let it die yet. Yeah. When you look at yourself on a basketball court and you compare your game to someone on the Wizards or anybody in the NBA, did you ever, did you come from like a basketball background? Is, is there someone who, whose game you model it after? Yeah, I played my whole life pretty okay. much. Um, Steve Nash. Say. Oh, alright. How tall are you, Ian? Uh, I am 5'9". Okay. Yeah, that's legit. Are I've, you... always, I've always enjoyed passing the basketball mm-hmm. in fun ways a lot more than trying to score. So. Alright, I feel that. I think we're, we're running out of time here. Any final thoughts about Scott Brooks before we wrap things up? I think he... I think he's still a very good coach in the NBA. I think it's a combination right now. When you saw how the Wizards struggled this year at times, um... He, a lot of it was due to him and his faults and his shortcomings, but a lot of it was also due to the roster. When you have right. a huge number of just, uh, if we're being honest, absolutely useless guys on the roster that you can't even put on the court. Um, and one of those, you know, you're putting people like Jody Meeks are playing meaningful minutes. It's going to really destroy what you're trying to do on the court at times. And I think he needs the right personnel and the right kind of roster. And he also needs his team to be healthy. He's a guy who had a roster where, quite frankly, I think Bradley Beal might not have been ready to take on the ball handling load and the decision making load he did. But he still got this team, and he kind of wringed whatever he could out of it no when there wasn't when there wasn't much there. I think he just he's missing a few pieces, and 
I'm really looking forward to not getting those pieces in the offseason because we're not, we're not structured in the way where we can. Yeah, it would be nice to have some money to throw around or just, you know, have someone who travels into the future and sees who's going to be rookie of the year and make some way to figure out how to, to pick that guy up. Alrighty, and it's been a pleasure. We are looking forward to you being on a lot more of these uh, Locked On Wizards shows and episodes on Dash Radio along with the podcast. Um, again, you can check out Dash Radio's Nothing But Nat Station. This is the Locked On Wizards show. It's every Monday, Tuesday, and Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central. Ian Evans is the man taking over as one of the co-hosts. Uh, you also got Becca MVP, Becca Winkert, who will be a co-host. And then from Wizards Extra, uh, we started in 2014 together, and that is Arthur Renault, or the District Mamba, as you can find him on Twitter. This is it for me. I'm still going to stick around a little bit, but you'll be seeing a lot more of Arthur, Becca, and of course Ian. So Ian, thanks so much. I appreciate you doing your first podcast with me, actually. So thanks for all the insights, and we'll be hearing from you a lot more soon. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.